0: is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. So here we are, we're recording full disclosure at 1224 on Friday afternoon. And here is what we know as of this second. The Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Final. They dispose of the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. Win in overtime last night. A Leket in goal gets Montreal in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1993. And it, it really is just a tremendous run for Montreal. We went over it a lot back on Wednesday. But you know, here they are. And, and, and who's going to be the guy to say, oh, well whoever wins between the Islanders and the Lightning, you know, they're going to win the Cup because it's Montreal. Well, <laughs> Vegas thought that. Certainly Toronto thought that. I'm not sure Winnipeg did, but I don't think anybody had Montreal winning that series in a sweep. When are we going to start to believe that this Montreal runs for real and then maybe it'll go right to a Cup final? I- honestly, because it is just something that you want to believe in. Now, whoever they face here will end up being, I think, a much tougher opponent. Now, Vegas, I had them winning the Stanley Cup. I thought they were the best team going into the playoffs. They beat the President's Trophy winner Colorado in the second round. But as we got deeper into the playoffs, some real warts began to show that Montreal was able to take advantage of. Number one, they got almost nothing from their forwards. I mean, when Cole Cofield's got more goals in a series than the entire Vegas forward lines, that's a problem. Now, they got tremendous protection out of their blue line, but where was Pacioretty? Where was Tuck? Where was Marsha Show? I mean, there's so many guys, Carlson, that have been big-time postseason performers for this team and got nothing, stone I mean, zero, zilch, nada. I and mean, so you can credit Montreal only so far, but you also have to look at Vegas and say, where were you guys? And a lot's going to fall on the goaltending and DeBoer's decision to go at Leonard, and it certainly worked in Game 4, and then back to Flurry for Game 5, and then back to Leonard for Game 6, but really what it came down to is it wasn't any kind of implosion in goal other than you know the cough-up, the giveaway, on the uh, the the tally that tied the game, you know, back in game three. But honestly, it just became a lack of ability to score. And, and listen, it's tremendous when you get production from your blue line, right? right. Petrangelo is going to parlay this into a huge contract in the offseason. Martinez shows you he's one of the big uh, offensive performers in the postseason. That's great. But... It's a lot easier to defend when you're talking about a blue line it's producing and you're not getting anything from your forwards and you're not getting anything from your power play. And there were times that the power play was just not ineffective. It was embarrassing. So do you see the Islanders or Lightning really being that much of a problem in the Stanley Cup final? Do you see just maybe the Islanders' offense can be kind of comparable uh, because they're not a great offensive team by any stretch of the imagination, but the meltdowns that you saw, the complete ineffectiveness – I don't think we'll reach that level with either the Islanders or the Lightning. Again, the Lightning are a little bit more. The Islanders are a little bit more comparable, just because of the offense. Islanders have struggled on the power play the way Vegas did. They're not a team that's going to put up a five-six spot the way Tampa is capable of doing. Certainly, the way Colorado was capable of doing. Toronto. So there's, a, there's two different types of strategies going against either of these two teams from Montreal. But I just think when you win three series the way that they did, when you look at what this team has been able to do since being down 3-1 against Toronto, right? You win the next three games against Toronto. You win four straight against Winnipeg. So you go into the Vegas series having won seven straight playoff games. You win the first game against Vegas. You only lose twice there. I mean, it's a team that has only lost twice since being down 3-1 against Toronto in the playoffs. I mean, just just think about that. It's a team that is and 11-2 since being down three games to one. It's just really incredible. So I think anybody that's just going to say that Montreal is going to be just walked over, maybe but has not paid attention to the first three rounds of these playoffs. So congratulations and everything that they went through with with Deshaun being out because of COVID protocol and Luke Richardson, who I think did a terrific job uh, being an assistant coach there, taking over as the head coach for the rest of the series and and, and bouncing back and recovering from the overtime loss in game four when they clearly were the better team. Think about that. They could have won this series in five. So just incredible. The hope is they might be able to double the attendance for Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final, which right now there's speculation that the series could begin Monday which would probably put some, maybe I would think Saturday for game three, which is still like eight days away, that maybe they can go from 3,500 to 7,000. That'll increase the atmosphere tremendously. And of course, what's going on outside the Bell Center has been terrific as well. We have not seen a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final in 10 years when Vancouver lost in seven games to Boston. It has been since the Canadians won in 1993 that we saw a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup. And that's 28 years ago in 93, so... Forget about the tele ratings and all that stuff. Who cares? This is—I I think this is really attractive. No, nothing against Vegas. We've we've seen Vegas before. Tremendous hockey town, but Montreal, a traditional team in there. I think either matchup, Lightning or Islanders, will be a terrific Stanley Cup final. Now let, let's go to Game Seven tonight. Lightning and the Islanders. We mentioned um, uh, Kucherov. Could be out, did not participate in the morning skate. That's gamesmanship from John uh, Cooper. I would not think that that means he's not going to be in the lineup. But before you start celebrating, if you're an Islanders fan, remember, basically with Stamkos on one leg and they won the Stanley Cup final last year. So, And this team didn't have Kucherov all year and still were an outstanding regular season team. So, Uh, and better than the Islanders were during the regular season in the 56 games. So to think that Kucherov is out means it's a slam dunk for the Islanders. No, no, no. It's going to help for sure because Kucherov is an elite player, but it's not going to spell doom for Tampa whatsoever. So we'll keep an eye on that. And even if he plays, you just wonder how close to 100% he would be and how effective he would be. All right. Keys for the Lightning. You know, take advantage of home ice, uh, get the first goal. That's the first time that they had lost in this series when they scored the first goal. Only twice in the playoffs have they lost when they scored the first goal. So getting off the schneid there is going to be very, very important. It's big first period, I think, for both of these teams but especially for Tampa to retake the momentum. Where is Vasilevsky out right now? Because he has been just a big difference maker in this series and in these playoffs. I think he's the best goaltender in the NHL. But... You look at the goals that he gave up, uh, especially the two in regulation... Not great, right? I I thought it was a very savable backhand by Eberle that certainly put the Islanders back into the game. Probably, in my estimation, the biggest goal the Islanders have scored since 84 because if the Lightning take a 2-0 lead into the second intermission, that game is over. And it it woke the building back up. It gave the Islanders life. And and certainly they were the better team in the third period and then won the game in overtime. That Eberle goal isn't scored. Then it's lights out. And we're, we're already talking about the Lightning and the Canadians in the Stanley Cup final. The Mayfield goal, I thought Vasilevsky didn't play it great. I'm not a goaltender, but he didn't cut down the angle. He almost dared Mayfield to go top shelf, and that's exactly what he did. Really couldn't do much with the game-winning goal. It a bad turnover, and that's usually what happens in overtime. So Vasilevsky's been good, but maybe he was a little leaky and certainly something that maybe the Islanders can take advantage of here. Islanders have to wake up on the power play. They just have to. This is going to be a really, really tight game, and you just don't want to leave a, an 0 for 3, 0 for 4 on the power play. Take advantage of the situations when they come come, and if the Lightning commit penalties, you've got to take advantage of that. That is going to be so important. And feed off of Barzell. I, I thought Barzell was terrific in Game 6, and he's pound for pound the best uh, offensive player the Islanders have, and if he's going to play anywhere close to the way he played in Game 6, that's going to bode well for the Islanders in this game, and then also moving forward if they can win. So, best two words in sports, Game 7, Lightning and the Islanders. Neither goaltender has particularly good numbers in Game Sevens. Varlamov has lost his last three, but I Hasn't faced one uh, since 2016. Uh, Vasilevsky 0 for 2, but a much better goal against average over 900 as opposed to Varlamov's, which is under 900. But I don't know how much any of that really matters. Now it's all about how these two goaltenders are playing going into this game, and I'm a I'm a I'm a definite believer in embrace the madness when you come to this situation. I mean, it's it's not just any other game; it's the biggest game in the lives of a lot of these players, especially the New York Islanders with a chance to go back to the Stanley Cup final for the first time in in over 35 years. Um, But still, what wins uh, an arbitrary game in October can also work to your benefit in a Game 7. Take advantage of the power plays, control the neutral zone, and just kind of stay within yourself. And that's going to be a really good building. I would think some Islander fans will gravitate down to Tampa. Uh, because things are opening up a little bit more and and flying has become a little bit more convenient and I was hearing from some people that there were a lot of Islander fans early in the series so for a game seven I think a few of them will spend the money and get into the building is it enough to swing the momentum is it enough to quiet the Tampa crowd down probably not but would not be surprised if the Islanders score you'll hear a few fans in there Uh, I wanted to touch on this Um, I don't want to make a big deal out of it because it's about hockey but it's still something that happened you don't want to completely ignore it and that's what happened at the end of game six with the fans throwing stuff on the ice and here's where I'll go if if you're watching on television and certainly Eddie O really attacked the Islander fans after the game and, and and you could see that from the outside perspective why are you throwing cans on the ice a player could get injured but you know talking to Alan Hahn on the Michael K show yesterday who was in the building covered the Islanders for a long time grew up on on the island Islander fan It was a celebratory thing, and it's not something that you want to see, but it came from a place of enthusiasm, in love for the moment, and I think it's very difficult to judge an isolated incident like that without understanding the history, okay? It's the biggest game that the Islanders have had in the longest time. I mean, because last year they went to Game 6 of the conference final, but it was in front of nobody. It was in Edmonton. There were no fans allowed in the building. So the fans at the Coliseum the other night, watching possibly the last game ever at the Coliseum, not knowing what's going to happen in Game 7, and thinking about... Everything that has happened over the last two decades, possibly three decades with this franchise and everybody in that building, the Coliseum is not a place to be seen, right? This isn't Madison Square Garden. This isn't the Staples Center where you got a bunch of celebrities who just want to be seen. You do have a little bit of that, like Jimmy Fallon. But those are diehards, I would say, the large percentage of people have, have been Islander fans their entire life that suffered through how many owners go to jail, an owner that didn't have any money, threatening this franchise to leave, having to relocate to Brooklyn, only then in split between Brooklyn and the Coliseum, seeing one of their franchise players bolt to go to Toronto, how many awful coaches, how many awful general managers. It's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to be an absolutely poorly run embarrassment of a franchise that this team has been for the better part of two decades. And there were some blips, the Laviolette era, going to the playoffs three consecutive years. Um, You can go back to the 93 run where they went to the conference final, but since this team went to their last Stanley Cup final, losing to Edmonton in 1984, it has been a roller coaster ride of bad for this Islanders fan base. And now it's culminated. They waited, they were patient, they were hoping... And then it comes down to where they're getting this thrilling win in a game where they thought it was over. I mean, you're down 2-0 midway through the second period against a team that doesn't blow leads. And then to win that game, I think the exhilaration just manifested itself in just throwing whatever was in your hand at the time that wasn't a baby or wasn't something that was worth a lot of money. And if it ended up being a beer can or a foam finger or whatever it was, you did it. And when Alan Hahn said it, he, he felt it, it beer was raining down on top of him because he was in the lower level and he thought it came from a place of love and it came from a place of enthusiasm and and that's the main thing. So on the outside looking in, it looks like a yo-yo fan base that is throwing stuff on the ice in what should be a celebratory moment. But to an Islander fan, to anybody that was in that building, to anybody that understands the history, it was a moment of just exhilaration and excitement and enthusiasm that people really seemed to enjoy. And now the hope is that it's not the last game at the Coliseum, that there could be potentially four more games at the barn because no matter who wins the game tonight, we'll have all ice advantage in the Stanley Cup Final. So no matter whether it's Tampa or New York, games one and two and a potential game five and seven will be in their building and islander fans are hoping that it'll be at the coliseum all right let's hear from you at don Lagreca. hashtag game misconduct we'll close it out with that sam diaz haven't heard from him in a while he tweets hey don long time no tweet love the extra hockey talk on the michael k show no one really saw montreal beating vegas when the series started what are the biggest hockey playoff upsets in your opinion well there's been tons I keep thinking about 6 because I covered that Stanley Cup Final. Edmonton's run was epic. I mean, nobody saw it. I think they were a seven seed, if I remember, in the Western Conference. I remember covering their games in the regular season. They just reeked of average, and they went on this amazing run and actually played into Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And I remember being in Edmonton for Game 5 when they were facing elimination, being down 3-1. Might have been the loudest building I'd ever been in. And they won that game going away uh, – excuse me, in Game 6, excuse me. And then um, – And then go back to Game 7. I think I've told this story before on Game Misconduct where I was covering that series for the uh, NHL Live, for the NHL. And, you know, Carolina was a heavy favorite. And Carolina, um, it was, uh, you know, the series was 3-1 Carolina. And it was Game 5 in Raleigh. So... You know, obviously, Carolina to Edmonton is not exactly a direct flight. Okay, there's not. That's not. Neither of those are hubs, right? So you're gonna. And I couldn't take the charter with the NHL because I was doing NHL live, so I'd had the fly commercial. So I'm all packed, ready to go home, if Carolina wins Game Five. But if Carolina loses Game Five, we've got to go to Edmonton for Game Six. So that meant I'd had to fly to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City to Edmonton. So what happens? Carolina loses, Edmonton wins, forces a game six. So I fly to Salt Lake City and then I fly to Edmonton. All right, now I'm in Edmonton. If the Carolina wins, I go home. So home would have been flying to Minnesota and then Minnesota home to Jersey. If Edmonton won, we'd have to go back to Raleigh and that meant I had to fly to Phoenix and then Phoenix to Raleigh. So what happens? Buildings apoplectic. Loud. Great game. Edmonton wins. I get on a flight the next morning to Phoenix. Phoenix goes to uh, Raleigh. And the one good thing is, not only is it a game seven, I know no matter what happens, no matter who wins, it's going to be a flight, a quick flight home. And, and Carolina ended up winning the series. But that's one of the runs. You look at the Kings were an eight seed in twenty twelve. Although when they went to the playoffs, they were red hot, so they didn't surprise a lot of people. But they were an eight seed. So that was kind of shocking. I mean, the Devils were a sixth seed, I believe, in 95, but that was a shortened season, and they did go to the conference final the year before. So you think of miracle runs, and, and those are some of the ones that kind of pop into my mind. CJ says, Don, who do you think would be a better matchup for Montreal, Tampa or the Islanders, and why? Well, when you look at a team that's trying to defend, right, and you look at the team's... That Montreal played. They played a tremendous offensive team in Toronto, but they lost Tavares. They played a tremendous offensive team in Winnipeg that lost Shifley. So it's hard to say that they would have won those series, especially Toronto had um, Tavares not gotten hurt. But but you can you can look at it and say, well, they faced great offensive teams and shut them down. But when you look at defending, I think what they did to Vegas is kind of similar to what they can do. To the Islanders, because obviously the Islanders will be a little bit easier to defend. They're going to be an underdog no matter what, but maybe the better matchup for them would be the Islanders. Not predicting anything, but I just think that might be a little bit of the better matchup. Uh, Chuck says, so there are three teams left, Montreal, New York, and Tampa. Out of any of those teams, which player wins this Con Smythe? Well, obviously you look at Tampa. And you have to think that it would be Braden Point, right? He has scored in nine consecutive playoff games, which is one shy of the NHL record. So can you imagine if they win and and he scores tonight, ties the NHL record, he would be the odds-on favorite there. Vasilevsky would probably be my number two. For Montreal, it's Carey Price, right? He's the big name. He has been just tremendous these entire playoffs. I don't know if Denoe will get consideration, but he certainly deserves it. How uh, Cofield maybe plays in the Stanley Cup Final, he'll get consideration, but I would think Carey Price will be the number one guy there. Islanders, it's a little interesting, right? Because you could say it's Barzell, but, you know, Eberle's been... Uh, I mean, Bo- bovillier has been big. He was quiet in this series until he scored the game-winning goal. Um, and then, you know, Varlamov has been terrific since taking over for um, uh, going into the Boston series. Um, I... I really think that maybe it really is going to depend on what happens in the Stanley Cup final, because I think there's a bunch of guys that definitely deserve some consideration. Um, But uh, it's a little bit more up in the air for me than it is for Tampa and for Montreal. Uh, Richard says, Habs playoff stats, 30 straight PKs, four shorties, Three power plays allowed, 11-2 in the last 13 games, 14 goals by players, 21 and under, and just one of three teams since 1968 to go to the final with worst regular season record. Who in recent memory was a more surprising finalist? Well, as I mentioned, uh, the two that I gave in the last tweet would have to be Edmonton, certainly this Montreal team, and that LA Kings team. But again, it was a 56 game schedule. It was really convoluted, right? I mean, I, does Montreal even make it under the the, the format before the pandemic? Uh, it's it's crazy to think about that. Uh, Ozzy says Cole Cofield has more goals for than Vegas top six combined. too. What happened? Also, the Habs lost the three against the Leafs and then seemed to come through the next two uh, teams. Were the games lost against the Leafs the outlier? Well, I. EJ brought this up. The, the The decision was to roll with the top four defensemen, right? Uh, they were a little light on their third pairing and really just rely on their top four. And that seemed to really help after falling behind three games to one. That seemed to be at least a coaching adjustment that Montreal was able to use, sweep through the rest of the three games against Toronto and really just blow everybody else away. Um, so that seemed to be the one tweak and the one difference from the first four games of the playoffs. Because remember, they won game one against Toronto and then they lost the next three. So everything looked like, all right, this is what we thought from Montreal. They're going to go quietly into that good night, and they've only lost twice since. Now, uh, B.J. Wayne says, two games, six overtimes at a game seven. How could you not love this sport? Well, that's how I feel about it, too. I don't know why people don't gravitate it to a little more, and there's a lot of conversations about that. You know, you didn't grow up with it. You didn't play with it it's not an American sport. We can get into that conversation at a later date. I've got a bunch of theories about that. But, all right, here's the lay of the land. Obviously, we got a big weekend. We're going to know by the end of today who Montreal is going to play. It sounds like Game 1 will be Monday at either New York or Tampa. So we're going to be back on Monday. EJ Raddick will join us, and we'll be able to preview – the Stanley Cup Final, because no matter what, it will have not started yet because there was some speculation that maybe if New York won and there's less travel, We could have a short turnaround and have it be Sunday, and we'd have to recap Game 1, but it looks like Game 1's going to be Monday, so we will get a full Stanley Cup preview coming up on Monday with E.J. Raddick, so stay tuned for that. Listen, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Game 7. I'll be thinking about Islander fans and Lightning fans because as much fun as Game 7's are for neutral people and just people who love the sport, it's torture for you guys out there that have a, a dog in the fight. So best of luck to the both of you and congratulations to the Montreal Canadiens. We'll talk to you again on Monday. You need to get in touch with me during the game during the weekend at Don LaGreca. Make sure you put in the hashtag GameMisconduct so I can sift through the tweets and and um, uh, go through all the ones that people are abusing me about the Mets' black uniforms and ripping me for some other stuff that I probably said on the Michael K Show. So make sure you put in that hashtag. We'll be back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.